0: take 20. Um, We're just going to start this podcast just to vent and just to kind of process some of the stuff that's happening right now. We were hoping that maybe if we talked about it that uh, maybe you guys would have input as well but yeah. I'm Peter and I'm Patrick and welcome to Beef Talks. Yeah. So
1: as you guys have seen in the news recently uh, with the Black Lives Matter movement and everything it's kind of a big topic. You just kind of wanted to give our thoughts and our two cents about what's going on right now.
0: Yeah, it's something that's always been present, and I feel like there's been different times where it's been talked about more, and but it's never there's always been something lingering, and I feel like now it's really starting to flare mm-hmm. up again.
1: Yeah, I feel like um, the idea with systemic racism, too, the fact that um, the system kind of allows for certain, I guess, obviously certain races to be stuck in one place and be segre- quote-unquote segregated, even though it's not, is, isn't a good practice
0: yeah okay wait just to start off as a baseline there's a problem like everyone needs to admit oh, that. Yeah. You start on the base level there's a problem with the system I mean you look at this and it's like you know people don't trust their police force they're scared of them and that's not alright
1: I, w- I was reading a book called um, America's oh what is it called America's something about America's sin I'll, I'll give you that title later and it's t- it was it was this one meaningful quote it was a guy who who grew up in the ghetto named Jim Wallace and he grew up in like some t- town in Chicago, like poverty town in Chicago, and he's white. And he went to his friend, a black friend's house, and his mom was saying how, if you ever get lost in the streets of Chicago, that you hide and you have to find your way back because you can't trust the police. But Jim Wallace, the author, who's white, his mom was telling him that you, if you're lost, find the police officer because you can always trust them. And I think that's, that's such a different divide. They're in the same, they're in the same impoverished community, and yet. One community of people is saying don't trust the police, and the other community is saying they do trust the police.
0: Yeah, and I think that, like, after the civil rights movement, I feel like a lot of people just kind of stopped. They just, you know, like, didn't attach themselves to the situation. And now all these stories are coming up from a while ago or from recently, and it's just crazy stuff that you hear about. I mean.
1: And it it seems like the 1960s and everything with Martin Luther King that once all that kind of quote unquote died down in a way, people didn't actually accept it, they just kind of went along with it because that's what they thought would happen. They didn't try to, like, actually improve and fix on it.
0: Yeah, and granted, we both um, grew up in Colorado, so I'm not sure how everything is in different states. I think that there's a lot more racial tension, obviously, in the South, but, like, from state to state, I do think that it changes a lot, and I think that we're pretty lucky. We're sheltered, you know, Mm -hmm. in Colorado.
1: I think that, too, also, since we grew up in not as lower... Lower economic line too, that makes a big difference too Yeah. with dealing with racism I think I, I'm Asian too Patrick's white, that's also kind of a different thing you have to deal with
0: mm-hmm. well, yeah that means I don't really have a say in anything but I'm just
1: <laughs> I think, I don't know. I mean I mean, along with that is um, white privilege too, which is kind of a big thing you have to deal with, it seems as though I guess this is kind of a long shot but just being white you kind of in a way can give you an advantage over other races. Oh,
0: 100%, yeah. When you look at it like a, a wider scale and you just look at the quality of life, there's no question. Like, people will alter statistics and everything, but the bottom line is that, like, you have more advantages and you're safer if you are white. That is, I mean,
1: if, if you're white as a white, I guess, a white male walking down the street you tend to not have any fear of if the police are going to attack you or if if you're if this might be your last day of walking on the street. It seems for, like, a majority of the population. And as, like, a minority, they could be maybe... They're, some of them are afraid to go out sometimes.
0: Yeah, and that's not okay. Like, you shouldn't be afraid. Like, that's... There's a huge, I don't know, discrepancy there. Like I just
1: the thing is, you kind to have to... Get racism. I like the point. You can't just accept racism as it is. There actually has to be some changing involved. Everyone has to be able to accept and acknowledge and work
0: to yeah. fix it. And one of my least favorite arguments that you know people bring up and everything, and this is kind of a little bit going back more to the police force, but also just you know racism in general, is people say that it's you know just bad apples and that you can't change it, but it's not bad apples. Like when you look at it, the system enables it. And again, that's like going with uh, systemic racism. It's like a problem in the roots of the tree, not the apples themselves. Yeah. So I think that you have to start at the roots. And um, there's a, you've already seen stuff with certain police forces, like thinking of modifying their systems.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I thought that's good right now, too, The trying to fix their systems um, to make it more efficient in a way and work better with um, how to actually allow for a less racist society yeah
0: yeah like I think that like it was kind of um, when you heard the term at first like you um, well one way of understanding it at least for me was um the system enables it it doesn't like there it's not like the system itself is uh, necessarily in bad nature like there's good cops who follow the system and maybe it wasn't intended for certain things but it enables it and if it enables it and people don't change it that's the same thing as being, you know, mm-hmm. as like supporting something that's racist. Yeah, that's I understand that. Not just being like a bystander almost. And that's kind of what the system is now. So I think that reforming everything, and, you know, that doesn't mean scrapping the police force and making everything unsafe. It just means like redoing the structure. And, um, yeah, and one, also, um, Barack Obama made a post pretty recently, which I think was uh, very informative and He's been making a lot of great uh, posts recently about everything, but it was talking about how the main ways that we, you know, can conquer a lot of this stuff is by voting. Like, at the end of the day, we can protest, and protest is good, but if we really want to get things done, it's a combination of protesting and then voting, because we need to vote people who are at the top who are going to actually make a difference. That's
1: definitely, you can't just sit back and ask for like, hey, I don't want, I don't, like, you can't sit back and say, let's fix this problem and then just not do anything about it. So you have to be able to be active in politics and in protesting, too. Yeah, find
0: the people who are, you know, at the top, find the people who aren't doing anything, find the bystanders, and put pressure on them. Put pressure for them to, you know, like, just make a better system, and it'll happen.
1: Oh, yeah, I agree with that. The other thing, kind of going back to cops, too, is, like, within systemic racism, is I guess another apple tree metaphor. So you have, say, you have like a rotten tree. It's it gives an opportunity for more rotten apples. Not saying that every cop who joins the force is bad. It's saying that every cop who joins the force, this the broken system has more of a chance to turn out worse to 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 do something wrong because it, that's what it enables to. I mean, if if you have a cop, and maybe they're given procedures on what they're supposed to do like um, in some instances maybe kneeling or like a chokehold to take down um, a convict. That sort of takedown method that, that has been seen, they're just, they, they think they're, they're just doing their job, but it also comes with certain biases there too.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a really tough issue, and there's some gray areas because I, um, there's this one story, and I don't know if you saw this on the news, it was uh, pretty big, where there was a guy, I forget what crime he committed, but he definitely did something, and then he assaulted an officer and then ran away and then I'm pretty sure he got shot after that and there's like a there's a couple cases where it's gray area because it's like it's you know there's like stuff on both ends where like if you assault somebody then it's like you're obviously in the wrong but like maybe he was I don't know was brought in for something that like wasn't justified like there's there's a couple gray areas but I think that again by solving the gray areas like there's always going to be those but if we can you know amend the system I think that'll help. I also
1: saw this one post on Instagram when I was it was kind of in the whole, like the beginning of the George Floyd stuff. I'm not sure. I haven't fact-checked or anything, but it was talking about how much um, training requirement is required for police officers in different countries. I
0: think I saw that as well. And I
1: saw that different countries like Germany and France, everyone had like years of year and years of experience to be on the force while in the United States it's like under a year at least yes. to, to, to just get into the force. It's lower than
0: it every other country and then it showed like gun violence in it and whatever. And, like All that stuff was like you know maybe not proportional but like it was you know shown mm-hmm. in the statistics basically that we have less re- less restrictions less training and higher death rates of like poli- with police officers oh yeah so I think that in a way we have to train them more yeah also um, I'm just kind of curious do you ever did you ever know what happened with like they tried to do some stuff with like body cameras but I know that like a lot of them were like turning them off or yeah something, yeah right so it became like I don't know if they could enforce that heavier like mm-hmm. maybe have like body cameras maybe even have like a backup or something and like if your body cameras turned off, you are not allowed to do anything. Oh, and if you are, then you're convicted. That's smart. Yeah, I like mean have like body cameras and the second it turns off, you're at a legal um you you go from an officer to a citizen. Yeah. If you're you know, have it be strict. And have I think the other
1: thing is dash cameras are always on, which is such a big thing too. I mean we found out things that officers have been doing just because their dash cam is on. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's good that's coming out of social media too is how many people are there to, to show it. So there more, more people are being held accountable for it. In, in the case in the case of George Floyd too, how many bystanders there were who just had videos of that. I think that that's important too that, yeah. these, that those officers are being held accountable. And but one I'm thing
0: that's um, very interesting that's kind of polarizing about social media right now is the fact that it's very um, oversaturated. Like I'm not saying that, uh, it's, that like, it's necessarily a bad thing, but I think that it's polarizing. Like it divides people because I agree. I think that a lot of people, you know, like some people like spam a lot of information, some of it being quality, some of it maybe not. And I think that all of that just, you know, like rush of information is kind of like, I think um, diluting some of the more important things. So like, I think that, um, I don't know, one thing that maybe would help is like only post something like if you if it's like really important you know like if you think like it'll actually help i agree
1: with that i i think like with um Mm -hmm. all the change for brianna taylor all the petitions and everything being forced out apparently i saw that they're reopening her case which is amazing yeah that's a case where
0: it works that's that is the good thing that's where people saw something that was important that had to be done they made a statement and it worked that's good but i feel like other people are kind of just posting very general things like they're you know They'll post, like, some random general list of things, and I feel like that's not really helping as much because, like, you're not giving a plan of action and not, like... If you give people something to do, like, sign this petition, it'll take you a minute, and it'll help this person from, you know, being in jail or something, you know, who's, like, wrongfully accused. That's something that's good.
1: You know? And I, I, under, I agree with that, but the other thing you have to see is understanding and education can turn into action, but which is good. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, as a teenager, as a teenager, can you really say... That when you click on someone's really like three-slide full-paragraph thing, can you say that you're really going to read that? Yeah. I mean, as a as a teenager, are you really going to take your time the time out of your day to read it? I think that, I mean, I sad to say, I probably I don't think that I would.
0: Yeah, I'm like a little bit hit or miss. Like sometimes, if I really start reading something and connect with it, I'll definitely yeah. Take but the if time. you connect, but and like you know, just the nature of it is like a lot of us have you know shorter attention spans. Which is why I think that, like, again, if you have like concise information that's um, like important and that maybe you know like a plan of action, yeah, I think that'll be like all all the, all the
1: GoFund or not the GoFundMe's the Change.org things that are going around. Those are important. Signing petitions, emailing congressmen—that's yeah. all important. It's Like we were
0: talking about earlier, where it's like you have to actually take initiative. Like if yeah. you want to get stuff done, you can't just sit back and you know you need to actually do stuff. You need to take initiative. I agree with that I think all in all racism obviously isn't going to be uh, fixed
1: anytime soon, but having plans of action and being able to address the problem at the source is yeah. one of the most important things we can
0: do. And one thing that's like, this is kind of going a little bit more general and going a lot back, but one thing that's very interesting is looking at the, like who the people are, and it's very interesting because it's like, um, I think that when you look at racism and what its it is, it's, not necessarily the people, but it's like the way that they were raised. You know, like think like one analogy that I heard, which is like really interesting, was like, this is a kind of a dumb analogy, but it still gets the point across, is it was talking about how like if there was a kid and for, as, you know, from when they were a baby, they were raised in a box and their parents only taught them certain things, like whatever you're, you know, murder is good or something, you know what I mean? Just like something. And then they, after like 20 years, they put the person out and they do that thing, does that make them a bad person? Like, are there does that make them inherently, like, I do think that it's kind of an interesting, like, you know, like, um, nature versus nurture, where it's, like, the actual problem itself, like, are these people who have, you know, their families, I guess, have been, like, racist for a long time, like, that's probably how it's still happening. Like, maybe that could be a way to attack the problem is looking at the actual people who are doing these things, like, are they, are you able to reach to these people? Because, it's kind of the same thing where they've probably, their whole lives, have been taught, like, racist ideals. And, like, so, you know, I think it's kind of a hard thing to be able to, like, appeal to the, you know, polar opposite side. Yeah, I think but that
1: that's an important thing, too, because if a kid has grown up his whole life and his parents are saying, oh, black people are bad, they're, black people are bad and things, and he grows up, that's all he's hearing. He doesn't have a chance to come up with any of his own ideas for himself if that's like the only exposure he has to it. Yeah. If you grow up somewhere where there's no exposure to any minorities or like less of, if you're in a small a smaller town or even, even a big city and you don't see as many minorities and all you're hearing is that minorities are bad, how are you gonna come up with your own
0: kind of idea? Yeah, and also like those people, like if the if the, like the system keeps repeating itself in this like, you know, vicious cycle, like how is this, you know, entire problem gonna be solved? Yeah, and I've like thought about this and I was like it's kind of tough because with parenting it's that's like a you know pretty tough issue like you can't just be like you're you know we're taking your kid away like and also like it's you can't really know that like it's hard to tell to be able unless you're like really intrusive like you know it's hard to know which families are yeah
1: right. I agree um I just want to wrap this one up here thank yeah. you thank you guys for listening um come back for part two and the, the, the book by Jim Wallace is called America's Original Sin. I recommend it for all of you. It gives you a different kind of view on racism. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.